Welcome back to another edition of Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. Oh, yes, right. The hump day edition of Ball Don't Lie. Plenty in store for you. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about SEC Media Days. They continue talking about the SEC schedule. We'll hear from Nick Saban, also for the Aggies out there. We'll also hear from the head coach of the Texas A&M football team as well. So we'll get into that, too. We'll also uh, get into the latest report from my man Chip Brown the tech about the Texas OU rivalry. Uh, we'll get into that. Uh, also, we'll talk a ton about the reports coming out of the Pac-12 or about the West Coast that Colorado may be in talks to join the Big 12. We'll get into some NFL news notes and nuggets. Bill Barnwell ranking the NFL offseason moves so far. Uh, we'll talk some Cowboys as well and also uh, get into uh, the rankings of the NFL backfields and what B. John Robinson has done to uh, to upgrade the Atlanta Falcons backfield. We'll get into all that and more. Before we do, let's introduce you to the rest of the crew. He was a second-round pick for the Montreal Expos, but a first-round pick for the Austin Radio Network. He originally committed to the University of Texas, but decided to forego the 40 acres and chase his dream in the cheese. Pippin ain't easy, but for this man, it's a breeze. He is Mike Hardball Hart. What's going on, man? What it do, what it do. Hump day! Exciting time. Well, you know, it's very <laughs> short week. We had Monday off. Now we're moving to the latter part of it. We got so much to get into. And, you know, we still have got to break down the NBA. We got a little bit more time coming in tomorrow. But uh, I'm going with Patrick. I don't think this is going to be even much of a series. Oh, you saying I, it's going to be a sweep? Uh, I think it's going to be more like the gentleman's sweep. Wow. But we'll get into it. We got time to talk about mm. it. But let me talk about my man that sits across from me every day. He hails from H-Town with the get down. He's a lifetime Longhorn and a proud card-carrying member of DBU. Legendary lifetime and now college football Hall of Fame Longhorn Derek Johnson said he was the best cover corner he had ever seen. He's a former NFL DB that still has that passion for film study, but he's not a fan of white condiments. But of course, he is a fan of you. The listeners, he is my man and yours, Rob Babus. Appreciate that intro. Gets better and better every time. And, uh, I mean, to have an intro every day, just got to pump you up a little bit. It does. It does. Uh, so let's not waste any time. Introducing the real MVP, one of the hardest working members of the ARN family. He's got a hustler spirit, period. We don't know what he's paid, but we're pretty damn sure the man is underpaid. It's Patrick Davis, y'all. What's going on, Patrick? I don't know, I'm going through withdrawals without you know any NBA happening last night. Yeah, that's all right, man. Tomorrow, we're going to be yeah. wall-to-wall. A lot of NBA finals discussion. We'll break oh, no, I'm it just down. saying, like at night. Oh, yeah. We just, it got to point. I got home and I was like, "Watch it! You should have watched." Like we we recommended some basketball entertainment, basketball yeah, movies like, for I, you. I, I, no, I was just lost. Basketball cinema. Yeah, it's not the same because yeah. I can't kind of can't watch it like a game. Uh, all right. I still, I, I, that bas- you you into basketball documentaries? You watched uh, the Last Dance? Yeah, I watched the Last Dance. Can I can I recommend a basketball documentary for you that might be yeah, good? Yeah, you know, watch. All right, maybe I'll do that. All right, okay. yeah, I'll watch some that. documentaries. I know. Okay. All right, man. This I just can't understand. Just don't want to watch any movies. Not at one all. movie. That's yeah. a, man. It's amazing. All right, I'm still trying to figure. What's the last movie you watched at? In a theater. What's the last movie? In you the went theater. To wow. Look at that. He, he couldn't even remember that. No, because it would have been like at most 18, 2018, 2017. Wow. Probably like that. Man. I don't know. Somewhere that one of my friends dragged me to. Yeah, you were dragged to it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, you see? Okay. I'm, I'm going to find a documentary for you to watch since basketball is about to be done. I don't know what I heard. going to do. I heard Chad and, and, <laughs> and Zay is, uh, they were talking about a basketball documentary that's coming out tonight about the Allen Iverson basketball team. Oh, oh yeah, I saw, I saw that. So it's coming out tonight. Okay, that'll, be, that'll be an interesting one if they do it well like the last dance or if it's. 
So it's always like guys like that are because they're so polarizing. Yeah. Where it's like, are you going to kiss his butt the whole time, or are you going to go after him the whole time? Or are you going to find that middle ground where it's like, no, he was an extremely influential player. He also was not one of the greatest of all time, but he's super influential. But oh, AI, yeah, okay, mm. yeah, oh. Yeah, because yeah, I, I don't know what, what the list is. Like, how long is the list of greatest of all time? Like, yeah. I agree, he's not a GOAT. Yeah, you you're like, he's I mean? not top 15. No. And once you're getting into top, no. and you're like, he's probably not top 20. And then at that point, why are we having a discussion? Yeah, we have <laughs> to go like, oh, about? no, there's 35 greatest of all time. You're like, all right, no, there's it's clearly not, there's one greatest of all time, but there's a list of, like, in the debate. He, he reminds, for my family, great- for my kids who are slight, he's one of the greatest players ever. No, no, I you know get what I'm that, saying but, because that's who they can relate. But, but to. he's DJ, not even the greatest slight player of all but, time. But, like, but that's, DJ, DJ that's plays, stiff. DJ plays defense, and, and <laughs> DJ passes the ball, and, and DJ listens to a coach every that's, once in a that's while. Very, and, very true. That, like that, he did uh, a lot of really good things, but there was also reasons you know, why you know, he couldn't you know be in a winning team. Allen Iverson is in, in it for the in, in NFL world to me. He, he 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 reminds me a little bit of he's just Michael Vick. Uh. Where you know nobody says Michael Vick is goat. Nobody talks about him in that you know in, in that category. But in terms of him being almost a man, in terms of when he was at his prime, when he was on top, uh, it, there, there was nothing like him. You could, in terms of the aesthetics and yeah, there there we had, you, you couldn't watch. There was nothing like Allen Iverson playing in the NBA at the time. Nope. And there was nothing like Michael Vick playing in football at the time. And they were so electric. Now, they didn't stay in their prime very long. And then there were issues with Michael Vick uh, away from the football field. Right. That's a lot of issues with Allen Iverson <laughs> away yeah. from the court, well, too. So, to me, that's, that was my kind of equivalent. Because Allen Iverson was a freak, man. His crossover. Yeah. In fr- he was the quickest, fastest man in the NBA for, well, I don't know, those three or four years he was in his prime. You need to see, and that's like, and, you and need they, to see his football highlight film. Oh, I've seen it. Well, and it's Dope. unbelievable. <laughs> quarterback, right? Yes, yeah, quarterback. It's a QB. And like yeah. for lack of a better term, I'd say like street baller. But there's guys like that. that. Like okay. Steven Jackson was one. Uh, you know, I think Jamal Crawford was for the beginning of his career, and then he figured it out. But Allen Iverson was the goat of that. Of guys who walk into a locker room and they go, "Don't teach me anything. Don't. I don't play with nobody. I play how I play on the streets. We play pickup. I don't run plays for me. Don't do anything. I will go out there on the basketball court with the basketball and I will score you forty points a game. And that's great. And they go. Yeah, but we need to win. And then he goes, No, 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 this is what I do. Yeah. And there's there's those guys and they're depending on how good they are, can play for a little while. Trey Young is more in that camp now of a guy who doesn't necessarily want to be coached. Quinn Snyder did a good job with it at the end of the year, so maybe he's figuring that out a little bit more. But though there's those guys that just yeah. and I that's what Steven Jackson I saw an interview with him where he basically said He's like, you're one of those guys that no one can tell you nothing about ball, that you don't know nothing better than you. And I'm like, that is a horrible approach to take <laughs> to any endeavor in life. Uh, but you're like, yeah. I know everything there is to know, and you can't tell me anything. And, I, and He was that kind of guy for a long time and in his career. E- even though it's a little different from my uh, Michael Vick uh, comparison, Michael Vick was that way, but it was different because the coaches just wouldn't mold a system yeah, around yeah. Michael Vick's unique talent. But there's no doubt that – Phenomenons, like just at the time, like yep. yeah. he was a phenomenon. Texture says cultural phenomenon. Definitely, definitely for that. Yeah, no, I agree with that too. No doubt, it kind of changed the way that uh, the swag that players brought to the court. Absolutely, and he, he's the reason why they had to train change the dress code too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, remember that? Like AI is the reason why they because AI would come in like he was really coming off the street. 
Yeah, like he was I mean, you look at tattoos and basketball now and how synonymous they are, and that wasn't a thing before AI. Yep, I agree. Reminds me that um, that Mace lyric. It says, it says um, I'm the reason they, they changed the dress code. They figure I wasn't wild when I'm in my fresh clothes. <laughs> See that? There <laughs> it is. He wasn't wild. I was like, nah, you're wrong about that. Yeah. He's still pretty wild. Uh, all right. Uh, the SEC is – oh, let me give you a spec text line. If I want to, it's already lit uh, right now, so we appreciate your participation. Texture says, AI was a cultural icon that was pretty amazing. At basketball, yeah, he was. Like I said, yeah. I mean, I, I think Patrick, you know, put it in a very uh, astute uh, uh, way when he just said, basically, yeah, he he's he was great, but he's not a goat. Yeah, great, but not goat. Yeah, and there, yeah, of course, no question. I, I agree with that one hundred percent. So five one two three three seven three seven seven six. That is the number to the specs text line. You also hit us up via Twitter. You can hit uh, Harge up at Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse. My man Patrick Davis at it's Patrick Davis. I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. Uh, also, shout out to Lou. Lou in the building. Lou. Uh, so Lou always brings good mojo. The unofficial mascot of Ball Don't Lie. All right, let's get to these. Uh, this sound from Jimbo Fisher uh, talking at SEC Media Days. He He's he's talking about the schedule, I believe. They're asking him about the schedule and what he thinks about the schedule. And then they ask him about rivalries as well. So it's it's kind of thrown in there. Both We have two cuts here, two pieces of audio about Jim Fisher. And then we'll come back and talk about the SEC schedule because that will play a huge role in if the Texas-Texas A&M rivalry is indeed renewed on an annual basis. Um, based on the schedule. That's why it's kind of a big deal. People are like, oh, what's it, why is it a big deal? Well, if they go to the 3-6 format, of course Texas will play Texas A&M every year. If they go to the 1-7 format, then uh, Texas may not play Texas A&M. Well, I just say may not, will not, because Texas and OU will play every year as the one matchup, and then the seven others will be rotating in some form or fashion. Um, so here is uh, Jimbo Fisher. When being asked, and it doesn't matter which one you play. Well, do you want to go? Do you want to go on the I don't care or the I'd love to? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's how I'm that's how they're divided. You decide. That's crazy. I like that. I like that. <laughs> he, he's mad. He, I think he's been asked about the schedule in one, I believe, and the rivalry in another. If I'm not mistaken, let's go so schedule wanna, first. Let's go wanna... schedule first. Okay. Let's go schedule right, first. We'll try this one. And first. I believe this schedule is the one where he's he's being asked about rivalries. Yep. Yeah. He said, "I love rivalries." Okay, let's play that one. There you go. No, I'm, I would love. It. I just, rivalries are great for college football. I love rivalries. I think the one, uh, the one seven format, in my opinion, whatever the dominant rivalry is, or whatever the league says it is, uh, is that the three gives you you get your second rival. Which in this league, there's still a lot of those that are included in that thing too. And then the format goes back of you know five and four and how, what you're scheduling. I think there's a whole. There's so much unknown because where's the college format going to be? Where's the bowl game schedule is going to be in the future? How does this affect playoffs? How many teams are getting in? How many losses can you have? I think there's a lot of consequences there that we don't know the answers to. But, yeah, I would love to play Texas. If that was our guy, I would love to play Texas. Without a doubt. Uh, All right. Now, the next cut is him, I believe, also being asked about schedules and rivalries, but he – he brings up Texas, of course, uh, because that is the kind of the big topic. If between the one seven schedule option and the uh, the three six schedule option, here is Jimbo Fisher. 
Is your go traditional rivalries of A and M? You would probably say Texas. Right. That's why it should be three six, right? Well, Texas wouldn't pick I don't, a and huh? Because Texas wouldn't pick A and M. I don't know. That's why I'm saying. That's why we should I, go three six. Listen, we're not going to live our life worrying about Texas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're going to live our life worrying about A and M and what's best for A and M, and that's great. And that has nothing to do with them. They're great school. They do what they need to do. We need to do what we need to do. All right. Now, you know what? I don't disagree with that. I don't I, disagree with I'm that glad at all. He's saying like that. Like no, yeah. you get, they forge your own path. Uh, but it would be, um, I, I think it would be a travesty if Texas goes into the SEC and Texas and Oklahoma go into the SEC and they go to a 1-7 format, which means you'll play one rival annually and then you'll rotate the other seven opponents. If you do that and you don't renew the Texas, Texas and rivalry annually, that is it's yeah. a major miss. That's a that would be a dang coaching mistake. That'd be an epic fail by the SEC. And and it's not about Texas and Texas A and M and Texas and Texas rivals. But I do think I I prefer the nine the three six that's where nine I'm game three six too. nine. <laughs> yeah, that's what I prefer too. Uh, yeah, just because you get more I don't know you get more entertaining matchups and rivalries, and you can even. And this is probably what some people don't like. You can even almost uh, manufacture some rivalries, too. And I think that's why some people are uneasy with the 3-6. In addition to the money issue, we talked about that yesterday, um, that in, I believe it was uh, Ross Dellinger who brought it up, that there are some SEC officials that believe an extra SEC game of them playing uh, SEC opponents playing each other that it's worth an extra $5 million a year per school and they'd like to be compensated for that and they see no reason to play an extra game, SEC game if they're not being paid for that SEC game and that also makes sense but that ain't good for the fans Harge. No, it's that not at all <laughs> and like we talked about before, how many times have we looked at the Texas football schedule, home schedule and been complaining about it because it's like there's no premier games. You you may get one or two every two years. So that's why you sit there and you try to figure it out. And if this is the facts of you being able to go into the SEC and not play Texas A&M, you've missed the mark. If you go into the SEC and you don't play Arkansas, you missed the mark. These are some of those old rivalries that people – these aren't manufactured. Yeah, these are, are real. Old, yeah, those are, yeah real. those are real those ones. Are and those are standing. Right. And yeah. you obviously Tell we'll get about. into the Texas – I mean uh, the Texas and OU matchup, but those are the three that I would expect to see every single year. Yeah, and I think my, people will will love that. I know. I'm with you. From a Texas perspective, it's easy. But I will admit putting the shoe on the other foot from other schools' perspective – they don't naturally just have three kind of organic rivalries already. And for Texas, it does. It seems seamless. It's yeah. like, oh, three, six, yeah. easy money. Let's right go there. do it. Yeah. We'll play Texas a and play Oklahoma, and play Arkansas every year. The old heads are happy. Yes. The old school guys are happy. Uh, new school people are happy. Because, and we'll get into the Chip Brown report about te- uh, Texas and Oklahoma um, and them renewing their state fair uh, contract there to play at the state fair. All uh, about that, too. All about that, of course. Yep. Um, and, of course, yeah, you got Texas A&M. Um, yep. And that would be something new, relatively new for a generation because they hadn't played in what now twelve years or how long? I think it, it is. I mean, going on twelve something years, something like that. And that's the crazy part. So too. you got a generation forget. of fans now. Right. Who, it would be new to them. So you got something for the new, the new uh, generation. Yep. For the old generation, and then something obviously that's classic and timeless like Texas OU. Even that new generation has been hearing it for years. 
you know, yeah. on both sides. Both yes. sides of it. They're talking about it still. They you know, had a you know, I know they played Texas played Texas AM and other sports state Texas and Texas AM in terms of a football yes. programs and their football history, which is a long storied one. They haven't had an outlet to exercise <laughs> that, you know, that that competitive uh frustration on both sides. Yeah. So, you, so you've seen it materialize in Twitter beef and stuff like that, which I yeah I'm, I I couldn't wait for them to play again so we can just be done with the right. Twitter beef the and nonsense all that. yeah and all that let's, get, let's settle it on the field yeah I will say this from Annie's perspective I from from their perspective you can hear you know Jimbo Fisher saying you know hey he'd like to play Texas um, if. You are AM. Where are your other rivals if you do go to the three format? Who would it be? That's that's also a big part of it too. Cause I know that Aggies don't want to be Texas side piece, and I get that. Texas main rival, Oklahoma, and AM did not want to be the side piece of Texas, and they shouldn't have to settle for that. They should be somebody else's main rival. The truth is they don't have a main rival. They don't have right. a rival right now, and no school wants to. And I'm not. I'm not saying that. I want to be careful with my phrasing here. No school is willing to, um, at, at, at least, to uh, ad, admit that A&M is worthy of being their rival. It's the best way I can put it. I was going to say lowering themselves. That's not right at all. I, I think the SEC's <laughs> narrative has been for the last five, ten years that rivalries don't matter, that we're about winning championships in the SEC, and they've basically fought off this whole rivalries thing to be, no, no, our matchups are big every week because exactly. our guys are playing for the title. Exactly. Now, the problem with this lies when they expand the playoffs, that goes out the window because you can lose two games and still make the playoffs. Yeah, you can. And so when you say every week matters because every week someone's knocking somebody out of the, the, the playoffs and someone's knocking everybody out of the championship race, and that's what the SEC lore has been built on for the last five to ten years. It's Maybe not rivalries 12, like because their rivalries suck a lot of times. Auburn-Alabama hasn't been good in years because one of them has been bad for most of them. So it just hasn't been a matchup where you go, oh, man, I can't wait to see Auburn-Alabama. It's like Bedlam where you go, yeah, if they're both good, it's a good game, but – how many years is one of them not there? Normally, Oklahoma State. But how many years is somebody not at that level, or you know, already has four losses or three losses? So it doesn't really matter. Alabama base SEC is based everything on a different kind of narrative. But I think when you go to the sixteen games, you're going to need those rivalries again to push things to make people more excited for for the games that aren't necessarily like, look, we're both one, but we're both one loss teams. We're both making the playoffs, and no one is going to care about seeding the same way that they cared about. Either you're playing, you know, on December 28th or you're playing in January. People are going to care a lot more when you go, oh, no, now the rivalries. Now you have three of those. And now those three must-watch games, even if they aren't knocking you out of the playoffs or playoff deciding. I, I, I agree. I, don't, I mean, I think the – and they joined twenty the the season of twenty twelve twenty twelve thirteen yeah that's when they joined so it's been what it's been about close to twelve twelve years, years. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so if if this and I'm sure that LSU is a rival that they would like to have because it's a little bit more natural LSU does not want to be AM's rival. They don't want necessarily want that. Now, the SEC could do whatever they want to do if they go to the 3-6 model and say, hey, man, you're going to play LSU or you're going to play Arkansas or, I mean, I, hell, Oklahoma even that model. I don't know who who Oklahoma's rivals would be. And then some of these schools in the SEC have rivals outside of the conference yeah. too. They have in-state, 
you know, uh, rivals, that kind of stuff, yeah. and they play teams from other conference. A few of them do, so it is. It's a little. It's a little bit tricky. I just think it'd be a terrible shame if Texas and Texas and M cannot rekindle the rivalry after now moving into the same neighborhood. I don't know. If, do Aggies want to play with play uh, in the play Texas as a annual rival? I, I don't. I, I, I again, it goes back. Do, to, well, it also goes back to the fact that they don't care, right? Like. We, we, we listen to certain people and they say, well, that, that rivalry doesn't matter to me. Well, what rivalry does? Because when you go back and you start looking at some of the games that were being played, just like this year, like who's the rival in the Big 12 besides Oklahoma? Like who would you consider a huge no, it rival? Was, it was A&M and A&M right, left. Right, yeah. so yeah, it does matter because no one ever feels like they're on that level. You You said it. Just a little while ago about Texas A&M, nobody wants to consider A&M their rival, and they've been in the SEC since 2012. Like, they haven't even created a rivalry. I don't think LSU cares to play Texas A&M that many times. LSU is like, hey, man, we're on the way to to, to people calling us a blue blood. We don't want to be associated with a rival with A&M who doesn't have any national championships in the modern era of college football. We're trying to get on the level. They're looking up at Alabama and saying, hey, Bama, can you – Look at us as a rival. Right. We like that. Right. We I know like you got that. Auburn, but can you uh, can yeah. you consider us a rival too? So everybody is trying to upgrade and went at the rival status. Hell, Texas wanted to upgrade. That's ultimately why Oklahoma trumps A and M as a rival. Right. That's A&M, why they travel together. Yeah, and A and yeah. M became the side piece, and Texas is like, no, no, no. Texas, Oklahoma, it's Texas State Fair. Uh, you know, they're all they're one of the best college football programs of all time. Yep. And A and M is a A and M is basically they they are the the program that they're not a blue blood, but they do live in the same neighborhood as the blue bloods. They spend money like all the blue bloods. They're they're kind of a new money, but they're not you know. So they kind of they they kind of a new blood if you will, but they haven't they can't they're not a blue blood. So right, blue bloods don't want to be associated with them. It's just like any other. Uh, status symbols are some club of exclusivity. They, you know, AM can come into the SEC, of course, because, you know, they do play big time, big boy football, but rivalries in a lot of for the elites in the Blue Bloods, it's about finding a like partner. Right. Right. And someone who, you know what I mean? And I agree. And unfortunately for AM, they're going to they're gonna force that because I don't know who considers them a like partner to AM. Well, we got our man legalize it who says, give me the three and six model with Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Texas. So that's, and he's an Aggie. So that's cool. I mean, that's, that's where I'm looking at it because, again, I'm, I'm looking at it as a fan, not as us sitting here being talking heads. I'm talking seriously as a fan. Who would I prefer to go see? Who do I spend my money? Who is a game that makes me want to be in the stands for that game? It's an A&M game. It's an Arkansas game. And it's definitely when you look at Oklahoma. We we all know that. But those are the games that if it's on the schedule, people are really spending money to get to those games. They're going to spend money anyway, but they're really spending money to get into those games. They're emotionally connected to they're, they're Exactly. Yeah. There's something on the line, whether it's them going to work and talking trash to their buddies, or it is a buddy that you've been playing golf with for years it's you want to walk around with the bragging rights regardless. And right now, all we do, like you said, everybody's just fighting each other on Twitter and nothing's happening. 
yeah, you play them in other sports, but everybody truly cares about what happens on the football field. This is the state of Texas. It's football. Mm-hmm. And so when people get a chance to talk about it, that's what they're looking at. I want to play the Aggies again. Oh, yeah, man, I w- we want to play y'all. Why y'all ducking us? Ain't nobody ducking you in a different league. I now know. we're in the same league. Not what you say. We're in the same neighborhood. Uh, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I, I don't know. Now this would be kind of ducky, and it's not the Aggies' fault at all. This right. would be the SEC deciding. Now nah, we don't. We need them playing every year. And my point is, if they do go to the one seven model, who's the rivals? You know, like who's the, the other Aggies' ones. rival? Like yep. Who is their? You know, the rivalry. Where? What team is this? Is it Arkansas? Is it right? I mean, is it LSU? Like, I, I have no idea. I'm, and I'm. I think they don't know either. Yeah, I'm not trying <laughs> you know to hate on the Aggies at right. all. Uh, but so let me ask you this: I think if they go pl- to the three-six model, it'd be way easier for Aggieland too. As a player who's played in that game, and someone who's been a part of it growing up, as you've said before, hey, you were close to being an Aggie. What What do you think about that game? Um, I I mean I I love the rivalry. I think it's great. I mean it's not better than the OU rivalry. So. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, but I do think it, it's great for Texas to have multiple rivals. I do. I think it's. I think all the great football programs, organizations, traditions, they have multiple rivals. Yeah, like they do. I mean, look at all the great. It, it's it's rare for a truly great one. Hell, the, the Cowboys got like three. Yeah, four. And I'm not. So I know people are like great dude. You talking about Cowboys? Still, I'm talking about just all time. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking at the the resume of the Cowboys all the time, they're one of the great football traditions. All right, in the game, and they have multiple rivals. I truly believe that. That's it's almost like the, my my Batman theory. You know, why Batman is the greatest comic book hero of all time. Look at all the villains he's got. Yeah, he does have a lot of them. Nobody's got no comic book heroes got more villains going against him than Batman. And he doesn't even have superpowers. Mm-hmm. He's got more haters than any other comic book hero. He's got like 20. Hell, it might be more than that. Yeah. You go Google, it's a ton. That's a great, that's a great comic book tradition. Because you got so many so many rivals. Getting back to the rivalries. Yep. Right? How many, how many movies can you make about Batman? Well, you can make a ton. Because you got so many damn <laughs> arch rivals that are trying to get at him, and you can just kind of re- recreate the franchise over yep. and over and over again. So that's how you can kind of recreate these rivalries over and over again. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand how the three six model is not the the most popular choice among everybody. But like I said I'm yep. looking at it from a Texas perspective, but even from an A and M perspective, I think A and M benefits from the three six model too, because then they get Texas as a rival, and then they get to go seek a main rival. Right. They don't have to be the side piece of Texas. They can go force their own identity as a program, which they always want to do. Not being not being at the shadow of Texas. Um, and the three six model works for them. I don't know who those rivals would be other than Texas, right? But the SEC can figure that out. But the, man, man, more rivals the better. Mm-hmm. Crazy. I'm all about it. I don't understand. <clears throat> you know, I'm all about it. Uh, all right, we got sound from Nick Saban. We'll get to that a little bit later on too. He's talking about schedules and also going off about NIL. He had a comment. We didn't really get a chance to get to it, but um, I can read you the comment and let you kind of uh, simmer on this. Did you hear this comment that Nick Saban? Allegedly made because I can't find the sound the audio and I they the, the SEC is controlling the information now after it was Nick, AI dude well, it could it be, it could be that would make me smart for them using AI <laughs> but remember when Nick Saban got in trouble well, I didn't get in trouble he became a huge story yep. when he said those comments about Jimbo Fisher mm-hmm. and he got out there and I forgot it was like in a I don't know, some 
Oh, uh, he was at a town. Yeah, he was at a foundation meeting. Foundation yeah. club uh, membership thing or something like that. So either way, um, that went by. Then from then on, you know, they've tried to kind of control some of the messaging. Well, I watched all of his uh, his press conferences, his media availability at the SEC media days, and I could not find the audio <laughs> of him saying this, but. There are multiple publications that state that this is what Nick Saban said. So, quote, and this is right him leave, apparently him leaving the podium. And I remember I watched him on the podium, but he left the podium, stepping away from the press conference podium. He says, you think parody is here? I think the way Southern Cal, Texas, and Texas A&M are spending money, it hasn't hit yet. What are you willing to spend? That was basically his <laughs> comment in regards to NIL. Uh, which he was talking about. We'll play the comments, actually, because I couldn't find that comment in the audio of it. Right. But I, we do have audio from Nick Saban discussing NIL. But he did mention Texas, Southern Cal, and Texas A&M. To me, when Nick Saban mentions you, mm-hmm. it's a compliment. It really, remember he mentioned Deion? He threw Deion Sanders under the bus a little bit, oh, too? Oh, yeah. Because he's just— and Deion's like, what? This is what he's hearing from his people behind the scenes— about who's really, uh, who are really the rainmakers in the NIL world. And that's why it randomly comes out when he's venting at the podium. Yeah. Southern Cal, Texas, <laughs> Texas A&M. Remember he said about Jeff Fisher, both the players? Yeah. Every guy's got an NIL deal. This is basically what he's hearing behind the scenes. And he ends up, and it, I, think, I think it's deliberate. I think he's doing it on purpose. Um, and he's not throwing anybody under the bus. He's talking about NIL, uh, but he's basically kind of t- talking about who the heavy hitters are. Yep. And Texas... It's definitely part of the heavy yeah. hitters. So there you go. That's a compliment. Things have kind of changed a little bit. That means you know he's, what I'm pa- he's paranoid about <laughs> you. Remember he was talking about spread, like the spread football for a while, pace and space football, how it was bad for the game, all the up-tempo offenses. Now what are you doing? Exactly. Because <laughs> it, but it was threatening his regime and threatening his uh, his power. Yep. So he's like, nah, and threatening his stranglehold on college football. So when something's threatening to him, he usually kind of voices it out in a kind of mini tantrum. At yeah. a podium. And he's done it a couple of times. And I love it. It's great. I'm down with it. Uh, all right. We'll come back. We'll get into an NBA story that went under the radar, but it has sparked a conspiracy theory uh, NBA-wide. We'll ask Patrick about it and see if he's heard it. It actually hits close to home for him, too. So we'll get into that as well. All that more right here on Ball Don't Lie Wonderful Nine Horn. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. It is a midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when Patrick takes songs from a particular soundtrack and then plays those uh, songs for us. And based on the songs that are played, Hard's not supposed to gather clues and hints that lead us to the featured film of the day for midweek movie music. This is good. 
play that funky music, white boy? Is that what this is? Yes, it is. That is that is that song. the name of the song? What's the actual name of the no, song? Let's play that funky music. Okay, the, the white boy thing is not in there. I apologize. I should just play that funky music. Uh, anyway, but still, it's iconic. That's song. when you found out he was a white guy. Because <laughs> when they said that, you because when you heard the song originally, you weren't thinking that. Then that all of a sudden, true. they're like, wait that's a what, minute. That's what makes it unique. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, wait a minute. It's like, it's like the it's like the the guy the cornerback takes his helmet off and he's white. And you go, whoa! Wait, wait a, a minute. minute, that is Jason Seahorn. <laughs> oh my whoa, goodness! Whoa, okay, <laughs> I got your special swag going on. All right, uh, let's stop our borderline racist conversation. Uh, let's move on. So I don't know this answer, by the way. The oh yeah, I don't movie. know it either. All right, all right. Oh, uh, I've been called out multiple times on the Spec Sex Line. I saw it before we had to silence it because we tried to get the uh, guest midweek movie music on our own before you guys spoil it for us because you guys usually are way ahead of us. Um, I got several texters that called me out about my Batman take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they didn't more, like that. Have more villains than Spider-Man. It is, it, it is something that has been debated. I will say it is up for debate. Okay? It is up for debate. I, 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 think, I will give you as a non-comic book fan... <laughs> Batman has better villains. Yes. Like from non comic book fans. So in the main world, I'm more iconic. Like, so, so yes. in pop culture in general, yes. then yes. I could believe once you get into it, then you'd be like, oh, no, no, this guy's just cooler. Like the Joker sucks. This guy's really cool. He's got good stuff. But in the outside world, you're like, yeah, Joker's cool. He laughs a lot. Yeah. No, you're right about no, that. He seems no. crazy. No, you're right. Because, and we've had the Heath Ledger RIP performance mm-hmm. that also yeah. really. Made the kind of transformed the Joker, kind of reinvented the Joker yeah, I mean, for a new you, generation. You even got Tom Hardy to bring back Bane, and Bane was terrible in the early Batman. He was, he was. Oh yeah, it was such a, it was such a joke. Yeah, he, he wasn't was one of the very worst good villains. until late. Yeah, and then now he made Bane cool. Like, right, yeah. that's good so there's just in pop yeah. culture. Yes, I will say that is the case. Once you get actually get into the the nitty gritty of comic books, and I'm sure it's, you can have different viewpoints and different takes. As someone who doesn't. Dude, is not in any not, of that. Not, that that's that's like why I will that. say I like that's that. That's not your nerd. Them. I like that. You, guys, not. you have a nerd. You have nerd. Them, but that's not your. hundred percent. Yeah. No. We all we all have things we nerd out about, and that's one of the things. I got like three yeah. texters that were like, "Whoa, whoa, Rod, calm down." I yeah, like, I don't. I don't call anybody nerd when I'm turning around the corner and be like, "So for the never the, the ninth round pick <laughs> in the fantasy football draft, it's hard to call someone a nerd after you're doing that." Yeah. That is true. You do watch spring. Don't you watch spring league? Oh yeah. Yeah. See, NBA nerd. I was watching there the combine. Uh, they, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's what it's called. Wow, that's that's. But you know what? Encourage your kids to be nerds. That means you have passion for something. My, and it means you, and my it means kids are definitely that. nerds. There you go. Hey, yeah. nerds rule the world later on, man. Yep. It's good stuff. Okay, let's get into this story. Speaking of nerds, I'm sure at one point uh, Bob Myers was a nerd. Maybe. Yep. You think so? For sure. I think at one point he was. Well, it, it, either way, uh, yeah, because he seemed like they were probably. I know analytics has been huge in basketball, but uh, it does seem like Bob Myers and the Golden State Warriors, that was a big part of their uh, their winning formula. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's obviously pretty pretty nerdy. Uh, but getting back to the Bob Myers uh, situation here, he decided to step down as the president and GM of the Golden State Warriors, guys. You're talking about someone who was the architect of a dynasty. Man. Um, hired Steve Kerr. A drafted Draymond Green, negotiated a lot of deals, but part of a run that ended with four championships yep. for the Golden State Warriors. And now he is stepping down, and he's young. He is young. He's like 48 years old, 47, 48 years old. He wants to old. enjoy life. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that could be a big part of it. Or he could just be looking for the, you know, the next step. 
or he Graham? doesn't. He he sees the writing on the wall and doesn't want that record on his resume. That, that could, could be very true. Mm-hmm. That could be very true. I was thinking too. He's sitting there thinking. We are not about to play. I know I drafted Draymond, but I am not about to sit here and pay him this much money and think that we're going to be okay. I'm going to go ahead and make some moves and get up out of here because I also think the New York Knicks is a good challenge for him. I'll tell you this. I have not read all of the new CBA. I've watched a lot of stuff about it and listened and read some articles and, and stuff about the new CBA. Basically how the Warriors are built it does not work under the new CBA. Mm. So that may be some of the issues, too, of, oh. The, the luxury tax thing, they just keep paying luxury tax. So, so yeah. they could basically play the luxury tax, and all it was was money at a certain point. Yes. There's new rules in the new CBA that it is not just money anymore. It takes away a lot of your abilities to do things where you can no longer trade. It used to be when you make trades and you're over the cap, you have to be able to make them within a certain percentage. You can no longer take on any more cap if you're on the second threshold. You can't. You lose your mid-level exception, so you can't bring in that one extra piece that yep. you used to be able to bring in. You can't sign some smaller. Like there's a bunch of restrictions. So it's just a harder cap. It, it is. It's, a it's stiff, becoming a harder cap yeah. because, like, you can do it if you think, oh, we're going to win it all this year. And then, yeah, yeah, okay. And but, then maybe we can get back term, underneath. Like they've done it. No, you cannot long-term do it long strategy. term. And like, you can't trade. So you can't. You can no longer trade cash. So you can't get cash considerations out wow. to get second round picks. There is basically a lot of things to try and prohibit this from happening of people going so far over the cap. So I think when you look into that, now he's a smart enough guy. He would be able to figure out ways around this. However, once you've already built, and they didn't build in a buffer zone. Normally when you ratify the CBA or sign a new CBA, you build in like, hey, here's two to three years for you guys to figure out your stuff because everyone has contracts that are really big, and we're going to have to change some of those contracts. So we're going to wait kind of until a lot of these expire and your guys that are kind of mid-range guys that you signed for way too much money, we'll let those go, you know, we'll let you get out of this before we throw this on. This is, I think, believe, starting next year. So it's mm-hmm. basically there's a lot of these teams that are going to have to make major decisions in this offseason. And for a guy like that to go, all right, I did all this, and now this is a whole new ball game that I wasn't prepared for. Like, whatever our strategy was, it's completely changed now. Right. Because we're going to try and go further down on the salary cap. So we have to change our strategy – and we understand that with the new change strategy, we may have to, you know, we may have to really kind of rebuild on the fly here. Make some hard decisions. Make some hard decisions. And if we're doing that, I can go out as one of the best. And if I can take a year off two years, I'll be 50 years old and go get a job anywhere in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Or I could take a few losses and all of a sudden, what's the last thing you did? Oh, you you were, you hot-shotted the, the Warriors and you got them all, you got them really good, but the, you can't work in today's system because – the new CBA, you were terrible at it, and your team was awful, and you could you never won a championship with that. I, I think he just understood that and said, you know what? Let me go start somewhere where it's not we're not so far down the rabbit hole in this. Yeah. No, he does and, and and you can avoid the negative narrative, which is seems inevitable at one point, because I I do believe you're right that we're watching maybe the first domino in the dis you know, the disassembly of this championship dynastic mm-hmm. run by the Warriors. We don't know how it's going to look, but Draymond Green will have that option. Steve yeah. Kerr has one more year left. On so does Clay Thompson. Clay Th- so, yes, we yeah. just don't know and how they, it's yeah. going to look. Well, both of them are player options, too. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, we don't know how So, exactly. they may not take them They may ex- because they may want a longer-term deal. Because both those guys are at an age where you go, man, if I suck next season, it's over. 
Like, so, I'm getting a $10 million a year deal after that, but maybe after this season I could still get 20 a year. Yeah, so I don't know how long it's going to take or how it's going to look, but this is the beginning of the end for the, yeah, for the, I mean, the, the, the Golden State Warriors run. The conspiracy theory is that, and I want to ask your, your thoughts on it too, Patrick, because that Steve Kerr is also going to leave oh, yeah. when his contract is up, that he is not going to re-up with them. I think everybody in that crew – is looking at the the end the escape strategy? Be- yeah, because yeah. of the, the fact that plan. yeah, they're not they're not peaking anymore. They're still a good basketball team, oh, yeah, but they're compete. not. Yeah, they can definitely compete. They don't. I don't think they can get back to that Peak. upper echelon yeah. again. They can go there and battle, but I just don't think they have what it takes. And I think to the, everybody's legacy that is involved in this, I think this is very important for them to say, mm-hmm. "I got to move around." And end on top because I'm already looked at as a certain level. Why would I go in there and jeopardize jeopardize this? Because it's about to get nasty. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think all those guys, Bob Myers included, as Patrick mentioned, worried about their legacy. So the conspiracy theory from fans is that when Pop moves on, maybe Steve Kerr can come hang out here with the Spurs and take over (laughs) and help. Develop a young Win Binyama. I, I mean, it's possible. I, again, we don't know what Pop's thinking, so he may we already. We don't know. He may say Becky Hammond's the one, and I want to get a head coaching experience before she came back. It could be that he's Mike Bud comes back, and he's <sighs> he thinks Mike Bud should come. Like there's names out there that the he Steve, could easily. The Steve Kerwin just got real hot with Bob Myers. Like that hit the interwebs yeah. and that hit no, Twitter and, hard. And honestly, like, oh Steve Kerr, yeah. he's, going, he's leaving next. He's going to the Spurs. We also know Steve Kerr's had some personal issues he's dealt with during this run with the Very Warriors. True. And I think both those guys have kind of been white knuckling with so many runs and over so many years. You're white knuckling of man, we got to hang on to this. We got to we got to do whatever we can, and we got to find the next guy. And okay, Wiseman didn't work out, so we got to figure out how to spin Wiseman now. And and we got coming up. And I think they've just been white knuckling for what five, six, seven years now. Yeah. That both of them just want to take a step back, but you know, as soon as you start losing, you don't get to take a step back. Because now everyone's yelling at you because you're letting the franchise go to garbage. And so I think they're both like, look, I know what it's going to take. And I don't know. I'm already rich. What can you offer me? And, and I'm guessing that's what Bob Myers' negotiations and, and Steve Kerr's negotiations. Like, what what kind of all, like long-term wealth can you offer me to make it worth my while to know I'm taking years off my life to deal this? Because yeah. yeah. I'm, already, I'm already a millionaire. I'm already rich enough. I've already got my place. I can move to somewhere where it's not where I don't have to pay the rent that I'm paying right now. I can, you know, be around my family a little bit more. That and is then true. Come back I'll, in a couple. I will years. say that that's true. You could just take some years off. And like I said, that still lines up with the conspiracy theory that yeah. whenever Pop is ready to go, Steve Kerr can leave. Yep. Take time, whatever he's going to do, kick it, and then just go to the San Antonio Spurs. Which we all agree, if for a guy like Steve Kerr, I mean, that would be kind of a seamless transition for him it's kind of funny though my whole time and i've been talking about this for a few years i've been thinking that um self bill self is going to take the job as the spurs he's been he's been rumored a ton yeah that's the one and his son works for the austin spurs i believe he's the gm of the austin spurs interesting so i've always thought that there was some some back door. I, 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 I want to hold up and see how much longer Pop's going to go, and then Bill Self jump to the NBA. I, I think bad. that might that it's might also bad. be someone in negotiations with Kansas too, though. So it I believe be. I believe that, be. that there's definitely people back and forth there. But I I know mm. that Bill Self can use that every year and just go, hey, you know, the NBA is coming calling, and 
All right, two more million dollars a year. All right, I'll come back. Yeah, to me, it's about if you're the person, it's about when Vinyam and what's best yeah. for him when Pop leaves. Pop probably is going to pick his successor. I mean, well, he is the, the president. Man. Exactly. He's the president and of yeah, he may just decide, I'm going to just, just, you know, I'm going to get into the, the executive level. I'll go back to the front office and then yeah. hire his coach, whoever that's going to be, Steve Kerr or not. Yeah, but. Because, again, Pop is currently the president of basketball operations for the Spurs. Yeah, he makes all the so, decisions. So he is already hiring. He hired Brian Smith, the GM. He he yeah. he does all those things. Yeah, he he, only he can fire that. himself. Yeah, so he would step <laughs> down. Yeah, if you say, fire, ownership could fire him, but I, they, they will, if you fire Pop, it. you are now firing a lot because now, okay, now your your relationship with Brian Smith, the GM, who has done a great job of trading for all these picks and setting you up very good in the future. R.C. Buford, who has basically been alongside yep. Pop for all of these years. He may not be thrilled with that decision. So there's a lot of things that, if you were to fire him, would probably not bode well for the Spurs. No, he's not getting fired, but I do think the Steve Kerr stuff, I, I, if I'm going I'm to believe any conspiracy theory, that one makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That whenever Pop is gone now, since that the, the, the Golden State Warriors run is looking like it's over, it'll be over in the next few years, he just jumped ship to go yeah. hang out with the best generational prospect since LeBron mm-hmm. James helped develop him. Sounds good. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you this. It's going to be fun to watch the Golden State uh, fire sale when it happens because they're going to have to get – like they're basically going to have to give away Jordan Poole this offseason. Yeah, contract is – yeah. it's an albatross. And, and that's the deal. Is that contract's an albatross, and with that impending bump in salary, like the new CBA and everything, and you need to ditch some salaries, that's a guy that you can be like, well, what are you getting back? You're like a second-round pick for him. Yeah. <laughs> you're, getting back, you're getting back very little – for Jordan Poole because you just have to get out from underneath that contract. Oh, and yeah, we still don't we don't know what Jordan Poole is. He had exactly. That, yeah, we still really don't know. We don't know what Neither to believe. Neither does he. <laughs> Definitely worth some money. Definitely a, a good player, but not worth box. what he's got. He is. He's a mystery box right now. Yep. All right, we come back. We'll get into the flex on the other side. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104 Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is the midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. That's when Patrick takes songs from a soundtrack, uh, plays those songs for us, and based on the selections, Hard's not supposed to gather clues and hints that lead us to the featured film for midweek movie music. Harge, you got something? Uh, uh, no, I really don't, but I'm going to throw something out there. Throw it out there. Uh, throw it out there. I know. Rush Hour? No. That's good. That you're, good you're, you're around the area, though. Good job. That's good. Okay. That's good. No, that was that was a really good guess. Because I was all I can all I can mm. see is Chris Tucker doing something with this man. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. he's that guy. Yeah. So if you, it's obviously a comedy. Then I would think. Is it a comedy? It is a comedy. Because he said you're around the right. So it's a comedy. So I'm gonna say money talks. No. Okay. He's going to name Chris Tucker. Yeah, I'll go, yes, I'll do. <laughs> now you just named it Chris yeah, Tucker. Yeah, I'm just going to say anything that Chris Tucker was First was a good one. Is this from air? I <laughs> <laughs> just named Chris Tucker. That is funny. Uh, all right. Uh, so uh, we'll see if we get a better. I you have don't nothing. Know? You I got have nothing? nothing at right. all. Um, yeah. I had. I, I, there, there was something, some movie that's coming up, but I can't really. I can't gather it at this time. I can't recall it. It's it, it's something I'll have something next hint, but usually the next hint is kind of a softball mm. for us all. 
Um, so we'll see. Uh, thanks to my man Patrick for the midweek movie music selections. All right, time for the flex. FLXATX.com. FLXATX on all of your social media platforms. Uh, you can go to FLXATX.com. FLXATX.com um, and go check out the old podcast from the Wednesday Night Flex. It is Wednesday, so we will have the Wednesday Night Flex tonight. As a matter of fact, and uh, you can come uh, actually listen right after the show yep. and listen to uh, the Wednesday Night Flex. And I know the guests that they're having on the Wednesday Night Flex oh, tonight. Oh, shout out. That's right. We got Joseph Rawls, the new head coach for LBJ, uh, wide receiver Miles Coleman from Vandegrift, and also safety Alex Foster from Vandegrift will be all on the Flex tonight. Um, I did a lot of film study on Alex Foster. Yes, you did. Um, he was one of our uh, on the All Flex team. He, he was always around the football. He's honestly, I described him as a the a the football equivalent of the Terminator on the football field. He moves all around. They move him all around. Yep. And honestly, it's hard to see it when he's around to make a tackle. I doesn't miss many of them. Right. I mean, he is. He's. I. I it, it's amazing. He was just an under. I mean, that he still got another year. Twenty twenty four. Twenty twenty four. Yeah. Just yeah. like Miles Coleman. You got two. Miles yeah. Coleman. They lined him up at wide receiver. They lined him up at corner. Man. They had him returning kicks. Yeah. He's just a playmaker, and I he's think he was uh, offered by Texas Tech, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure he's got more than that, but I remember Tech being in the conversation early. He's a speedster. Yeah, he can run. Yeah, he, he can, can run, run. He can run, run. He can run, uh, run. Yeah, so uh, two really good players coming on the uh, Wednesday Night Flex and the uh, LBJ head coach, too. That's right. Uh, so that'll be really good. So uh, go check that out. Also, it's a, this is not about the Flex area, but it is about high school uh, sports. Well, uh, high school competition. I don't know if I can call it sports. And maybe it maybe it's more of a skill than a sport. Did you know they have a, bar, a barbecue state title? Mm, barbecue state title for high school? No, I did not know that. This is a thing. I'm excited to hear more. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, like I, I didn't know it was a thing either, and I was like, no, nah, that can't be real. Yeah. Uh, but no, apparently there is. I, I know we're up against a break here, so I'll, I'll give you some more details about it on the other side. But I couldn't believe it was. I was like, man, that makes sense though. Yeah. With, uh, with the state of Texas. But I'll give you some details about that. We'll get into it. But we come back, uh, we'll talk about the NFL. NFL News Notes and Nuggets. Bill Barnwell ranking the NFL offseasons. Uh, the Cowboy most likely to get cut. Uh, we'll go through that and why that is uh, throughout training camp. We'll tell you the, mo- the Cowboy most likely to get cut based on a mm-hmm. list that came out. Uh, the Cowboys will get into uh, also their wide receiver rankings from Pro Football Focus and where that has the Cowboys wide receiving core ranked. So we'll get into a ton of news, notes, and nuggets from the NFL side. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The